If you don't have a Bible with you, you can take your device and go to John 15, or you can turn your handout over to John chapter 15 and encourage you to find some way to visually see, to visualize the Word of God as it's being taught this morning. I think it will help you to look at God's Word this morning. So we're about uh, 16 weeks into our study, and I've loved this study. This is a journey in Hebrews chapters 12, verses 1 and 2, based on Hebrews 11 and the, the trying of faith in Hebrews 11. Here's the exhortation to followers of God, worshipers of God through Jesus Christ. Here it is. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus and don't take your eyes off Jesus. So this is to happen all the way through our spiritual walk. But primarily as you attach this to to Hebrews 11, we find that this is very appropriate for those who are going through some really tough times in their life. Which I I think that we would be naive to say that we're not going through a bit of a turmoil in our culture these days. I mean, political stuff happening, health stuff happening, relational stuff happening, just talking with different ones in the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you, there are, there are persuasions in the body of Christ. There's some that will come to us as an elder team and say, you guys should not be doing this on Sunday morning. Others will come to us and say, thank you so much for doing this on Sunday morning. There's turmoil happening. That's okay. In all of this, rather than fixing our eyes on individuals, fixing our eyes on the situation of life, gazing on our problems... And glancing at God, no, that's mixed up. What do we do? We glance at our problem and we gaze on Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. So we're taking different snapshots of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go through and review all the ones we've done, but I have thoroughly enjoyed this study, and today we are going to look to Jesus, the true vine. We started this last week. What a powerful text, John chapter 15. What an amazing metaphor. We went through last week and talked about how amazing this metaphor is. How appropriate it is for every area of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Well, here's the key idea that we'll continue on today. As our faith is tested, and let's make this personal, as your faith is tested right now, would you fix your eyes on the true vine? Would you fix all of your attention on Jesus, the true vine? All right, John chapter 15. Before we even read this passage, where are we in John 15? Last week we did kind of an extended context. This will be a summarized context. Where are we in John chapter 15? Jesus and his disciples are either one of two places. They're either in the upper room, finishing up the upper room discourse, or they are in transition from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. That's where this is happening. I think very possibly Jesus and his disciples get up from the upper room. Remember, all of his disciples have clean feet now because Jesus served them. And they're walking to the garden. And they come across in these, in these alleyways, some sort of a vineyard type thing in someone's yard possibly. And he sees this and he stops for a teaching moment. And he talks about the true vine the vine dresser, the farmer, even potentially someone's over there clipping these vines. And he says, talks about the vine dresser. Jesus is continuing. Here's what he's doing in the upper room and continuing on to Garden of Gethsemane. What is he doing with his disciples? Here's what he's doing. He's preparing them for the tragedy of the next 24 hours. What is to happen in the life of Jesus even over the next 12 hours? Please consider this. 
I mean, throughout that night even. I mean, Jesus is walking to the garden, and in that garden, his disciples, rather than praying, they're going to fall asleep and get a, get a, a good nap in. And Jesus is sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. That is to happen just hours after Jesus shares, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. Throughout the night ahead, Jesus would be arrested. His disciples would do what? Think on this. Especially as appropriate to John 15. What would his disciples do? They'd scatter. Throughout the next 12 hours, Jesus would be betrayed, denied, accused, beaten, sentenced, crucified. The the Lord of life, the King of kings and Lord of lords would be hanging on a tree. The 11 disciples, why do we say 11? Well, Jesus had left the party to go betray Jesus. Jesus told him, what you're going to do, go do it. So the 11 disciples don't seem to have a clue what's coming down the pike. They're partying with Jesus, having a Lord, the, the Last Supper. Jesus is saying some kind of weird things to them. And they're like, ah, that's okay. It's kind of par for the course, some of the teachings. You know, we don't quite understand them, but that's okay. They don't know what's happening. They don't see what's coming the next day. They don't foresee the courtyard scene around the fire where Peter would deny Jesus. They don't see Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, being whipped dragging his cross to Calvary. They don't see that happening. But Jesus is doing his best by by God's grace through the Spirit to to guide them through this. I'm going to tell you, this metaphor is one of the most gracious, kind metaphors you'll find in all the Scriptures. This is a comfort from God Almighty, Jesus Christ, to the disciples. In a beautiful metaphor, and what is this metaphor? If you look with me at John 15, how does Jesus comfort his disciples? Here it is. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. A quick time out. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is so appropriate for the 21st century. 2020, this passage is for you and for me. This is the imperative of this text is abide in me. I'm going to tell you, this is something we need to preach to ourselves all day, every day. Abide in Jesus. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. We get a picture there of what's happening in the future, the future judgment of an almighty, righteous, holy God. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, so last week we started by looking at the key characteristics 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Please go back and listen to last week's sermon if you'd like to, but I'm going to kind of breeze through these, reminding ourselves of these key characters in this story, in this metaphor, starting with the primary character in the entire story, which is the true vine. Jesus says, I am the vine, verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. We looked at that word true last week. What does this mean? And then again in verse 5, I am the vine. Clearly in this passage, this is reference to whom? Jesus. He's referring to himself. I am the vine. The vine is the only, and we're going to kind of highlight this today. The vine is the only clear source of any life for the branches and the fruit. It is the only source for life for the branches and fruit. They cannot find life in anything else but in the vine. Okay, the vine dresser. The vine dresser, some of your translations will say farmer or husbandman. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Clearly, this is reference to God the Father. And in this passage, we see the sovereign creator and sustainer of all life. This passage, we find two vivid descriptions of God Almighty. The vine dresser. We highlighted these last week. What are these two descriptions? The righteous judge is the first one who will fairly enact judgment on those who are not vitally connected to Jesus. This will happen. God is holy and just and there will be retribution for sin. There will be payment for not being vitally connected to Jesus Christ. Uh, there's no tippy-toeing around that in this passage. These are not my words. It's the words of Jesus Christ. But the other side of this, this Father we see in this passage, God Almighty, is this. God the Father is a wise caregiver. I love this. A wise caregiver who graciously enables His children to grow stronger and stronger and stronger and bear more and more and more fruit. And how does that happen? Last week we looked at this word. Pruning. Inflicted pain, trials, the trying of our faith to make us stronger. As uncomfortable as that is, that is a sign of a gracious caregiver. And that is the vine dresser. Last week we looked at this. Who are the other characters in this story? It's the branches. Some people kind of dance around this and do what, like hermeneutical gymnastics and try to throw a couple of the categories in here. Very simply, in this passage, you will, if you stick to the text and what Jesus is saying here, you will find two basic categories. Here they are. The fruitless branches and the fruitful branches. What are the fruitless branches? Verse 2. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Who is this? I mean, these branches, actually, in, in general, who are these branches? These are those who are affiliated with Christ to varying degrees. Kind of look at it this way. It's those hanging out with Jesus. That's the branches. Those kind of hanging out with the Jesus talk. Uh, loosely in Christ. And as they're branches in Christ, there are some specifics. The fruitless branches, those are branches that look an awful lot like fruitful branches. They don't have something very essential. What is that? Fruit. Why? Because they, are only, they only have a superficial, non-vital connection to the vine. 
practically, this is referring, I think if you want to just, where the rubber meets the road here, this is referring to counterfeit believers. Those who profess interest in Christ, but whose lives are not changed by Christ. Please understand, this is coming from Christ. Scripture says this in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away, he is cast off. Some of your translations will say, He's cast off like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Wow. I mean, there's no theological tiptoeing around that. This is a glimpse of what we see in the end, where Jesus Christ comes to set all things right. Another type of branch, very clearly in this text, and this is the encouragement of this text, is fruitful branches. This is, this is every true believer. Please understand that. Every branch, here's verse 2, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Whoever abides in me, verse 5, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So who is this talking about? This is talking about genuine believers who profess devotion to Christ and whose lives prove it by fruit bearing. By the way, what happens to the fruit bearing Christian Vital connected to the vine, please remember this. They're pruned. A vine dresser, lover, the vine dresser lovingly, graciously, thoughtfully prunes away portions of the branch, bad and good portions of the branch, in order to produce healthier fruit. Okay, now that we've reminded ourselves of these characters, let's go to the key concepts. There's two key concepts in this whole metaphor. What are they? They're up there on the screen. Abiding and fruit-bearing. Jesus Christ himself, about to go to the cross, he, he really dials in on the concept of fruit-bearing and abiding. Okay, so we better ask ourselves, what does this mean? <laughs> right? Uh, fruit-bearing we looked at last week. And, and so I'll just briefly review this. Fruit-bearing, that's the second one on your list, so you can jump down to that one. Fruit-bearing is this. Uh, True believers will bear fruit in Jesus. I mean, that's the fact from the scriptures here. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's, here's the explanation of this. To some degree, and, I, and we're good at, at marking out what that degree is, but that's between God and the, and the branch. All right, Jesus, that's the vine and the branch. But catch this, to some degree, true believers will bear fruit. You will never have a true believer who has never borne some sort of fruit in their life. Do you understand that? Someone that comes to Jesus, oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but not one single time in their entire life have they borne fruit for the Savior. That is a person that cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and be connected to the vine. And we need to be very clear on that. Remember that this is not bearing fruit. Catch this, because this is where our mind goes pretty quickly. Because we're, we're so uh, humanistic in our, in our processing of Scripture sometimes. We're egotistical when it comes to how we, how we do hermeneutics sometimes. But here's how we want to go, is this. This is not bearing fruit to earn a position in the vine. You can't bear fruit to earn a position in the vine. Do you understand that? You can't just like popping out fruit, and before you know it, the vine's going to want you have you in there. That's not how fruit bearing happens. You don't, 
earn a position in the vine. No, fruit bearing happens because of a position in the true vine. It's the order of what happens in our lives. And the bearing that happens, why? Because you are vitally connected to the vine. This is a position secured in the vine through a salvation, as we talk of often, that is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You cannot earn your way into the vine. However, this is where we come to application and a a certain word in the scripture that Jesus teaches very clearly. He's talking about true faith is being repentant faith. This is a word that is very clear in scriptures. The true biblical faith is a responsive biblical faith. True faith produces a response. James talks about that. You cannot claim to have true faith if you don't respond in some way. True biblical grace enables effort. All right. So that's what we talked about last week. Let's move on to this amazing word. Because fruit bearing and abiding are inseparable in this passage. You cannot just teach one and ignore the other. They go hand in hand. So brothers and sisters in Christ, let's talk for a couple minutes about this abiding. I had a good conversation uh, with, with someone on, on the grounds here this week and saying, Pastor Andrew, what does it mean to abide? That's a great question, one we ask ourselves often. Okay, practically, where the rubber meets the road, what does it mean to abide? Just tell us what it means to abide. That's very curious because Jesus himself is not super particular about what it exactly means to abide, but he teaches to abide. And then as you see the rest of the context unfold, you find some really good evidence of what it means to abide. So that's what we're going to do today. But the clear imperative, if you want to find an imperative, so we're talking about a command. What is the command in this passage? By Jesus Christ. Here it is. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of the, by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the million dollar question is this. What does it mean to abide? In a general sense, if you were just to extract that word abide, you would have to maybe transliterate it something like this. Remain. Stay. Continue. Persist. Endure. Um, we're doing some ho- housework. Our house is kind of torn up right now. We kind of uh, had that flood that I was talking about last August. <laughs> Our house is being uh, put back together now. And I'm doing some different work. Last night, Dave and I were p- pulling out some uh, flooring. The last little bit of flooring to go, I think. I think. We're pulling out some stuff. We're getting ready for the flooring to happen. And uh, my son David, I love working with my son David. He's a hard worker. But I'm going to tell you for a young guy that's 10 years old, sometimes work happens for about 15 minutes, and then what else happens? I've got to find that video game, right, David? Go find my soccer ball. Go run around the backyard. That happens. That's good. And so I found myself a couple times the day before. We were working on uh, the stovepipe at the top, and we were cleaning out the stovepipe, getting ready for fires in the house. And then I found myself a couple times saying, hey, David, stay with me. David, don't go over there. Stay with me. Okay, in a very general sense, that's what's happening here. Disciples, stay with me. Don't run off. Remember, this is happening the night before Jesus does his saving work on the cross of Calvary. Disciples, stay with me. And Jesus knows they're going to be scattered. But come back to me. 
Come back, um, remain, abide in me. And Jesus tells his disciples, abide in me. So that's in a very general sense, it means to abide. But it goes a little deeper than this theologically. What do I mean? In a theological sense, it means to continue a vital spiritual relationship. And I want to add this, because this is intrinsic in the meaning. To continue in a vital spiritual relationship, that was already started. Catch that. To continue in a relationship that's already started. Abiding presupposes that a vital connection, a thriving relationship between the vine and the branches is already present. In other words, genuine salvation by faith has already occurred. Okay, this makes sense when you think about verse 3. What does verse 3 say? Just look at it with me for a minute. Already you are clean by the word I have spoken to you. Truth is already being passed to these disciples. They are already embracing the Lord Jesus Christ. Their salvation is coming to fruition. I think all of this makes sense in another writing of John. We're talking about 1 John. And, and, and brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going through some deeper stuff today. That's okay. We want to study God's word. I don't just want the fluff. We want to get in. I think 1 John 2, in 1 John 2, we find something that's, that really helps this point of abiding. If you want to write down somewhere in your page there, 1 John 2, 5 and 6. And here's what John says through the Holy Spirit in 1 John 2. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The basic theological sense is the same as is continued throughout the entire epistles of the New Testament. Here's the sense. Because we are vitally connected in Christ, we must stay vitally connected to Jesus Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, we will stay vitally connected to Jesus Christ. Stay connected. Okay, here's how Paul says it. Paul vividly describes this because you are positionally justified in Christ. We are to be progressively sanctified in Christ. Do you understand that? Because you have a positional connection to Jesus Christ, now every day live that out. And Jesus is saying, abide in me. Okay, let's just make this very practical. Same as the question this week. How do I do that? Well, to abide in Christ means to be intrinsically, vitally connected to Jesus in every area of my life. Very simply enough. My life is not compartmentalized where it's like, okay, that's the Jesus stuff and that's the me stuff. Okay, that's my friend's stuff and then this is... This is Jesus' part of my life. Jesus, you have the morning, friends, work has the afternoon, friends have the evening, and we're good. To abide in Jesus means to be vitally connected to Jesus in every area of my life. Everything I do, everywhere I go, every minute of my day, everyone I am with. To abide in Christ means to let the word of Christ, and this is in the text here, to let the word of Christ, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, to let this course through my beings all day, every day. As I struggle with a broken world, it is to abide in the words of Christ, to feed on his word. To abide in Christ means 
to be utterly dependent and consumed with following Christ's example, even when the storms of life overwhelm me. What's the temptations of our life when storms hit? To check out. Go find the closest couch to kind of cozy up to and wait till the storm passes over. That's not the indication of the scriptures. To abide in Christ means to be utterly dependent on Christ through the storm. To abide in Christ means to be utterly dependent and consumed. It means that when the moral temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, who John also writes about in 1 John 2, when those temptations come, you won't leave Jesus to follow after those things. You abide in Jesus through those temptations. To abide in Christ means... To be obediently connected to Christ when my alarm goes off in the morning and my feet touch the ground. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, that's, that's one of the hardest times, I think, in the whole day to abide in Christ. The words that are tempted to come out of our mouth. <laughs> Some wake up ready to go. Others, it's not so easy. Okay, to abide in Christ means to be obediently connected to Christ as I approach another monotonous day at To abide in Christ means to be obediently connected to Christ when I'm bombarded with peer pressure at school or on my team or on my computer. To stay connected to Jesus Christ. To abide in Christ means to be obediently connected to Christ with how I interact with the annoying neighbor down the street four houses. To abide in Christ is to be obediently connected to Christ in how I establish godly priorities in my home. You're going to abide with Christ in your own home. In how I react to conflict and tension in my own home with my husband or my wife or my kids. How I handle conflict in my home is going to show if I'm abiding in Christ. To abide in Christ is to be obediently connected to Christ with my social media accounts and my music and my web browsing and my entertainment. It's not setting Jesus aside and saying, I'm going to fill my mind with entertainment. No, to abide with Christ is to realize that all of this should be filtered through my relationship with Jesus Christ. To abide in Christ means to be obediently connected to Christ by not neglecting the body of Christ. Even through COVID, even if it's being connected via tech. So you're catching it right away, I think, that to abide in Christ is not like one simple definition. Like, to abide in Christ means you have to do this. Here's what to abide in Christ is. It is to walk with Christ all day, every day, in everything I do. To abide with Christ. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. One of my favorite authors is a fellow named D.A. Carson. Uh, Not a fella. He is a a rich theologian uh, who, who interacts with the word in a very gifted way. He's like a word poet. Uh, creates pictures, a word artist, I should say. D.A. Carson says this, the point is, this, is clear in this passage. The point is clear. Continuous dependence on the vine 
constant reliance upon Him, persistent spiritual imbibing of His life, this is the synchronon of spiritual fruitfulness. We never go through a moment of our day without considering what Jesus Christ would do. Remember years ago, WWJD? And that's okay. What a walking in His presence in every decision we make all day, every day, with everyone we're with. As our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the true vine. And as we do that, we will abide in Christ. All right, so we have looked so far at the key characteristics. We've looked also at the key concepts. The two key concepts in this passage are fruit-bearing and abiding. Now let's dial it in for the last 10, 15 minutes here on how this, how this interacts with our study. We're doing a fun study on, on John 15, but how does that interact with keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ? What snapshots of Jesus are from this passage? Well, I think this. First one is this, as the true vine, Jesus provides the only possible way to bear necessary fruit. Catch this. As the true vine, Jesus, the one who we're supposed to fix our eyes on, He provides the only possible way to bear necessary fruit. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, verse 4. Put it up here. As the branch, what's the next couple words? Cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. This statement I cannot get out of my mind. For apart from me you can do nothing. Very clearly in this passage, Jesus provides the only possible way to bear necessary fruit. Brothers and sisters, we, we got to get this. No matter what creative ideology Satan dangles in front of our eyes to make us think we can somehow, some way, live some sort of spiritual life on our own, the fact is concrete in biblical Christology. Here it is. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We can do anything. This is total, the total inability of the unregenerate sinner to even think of finding spiritual significance apart from Jesus. Okay, we, live in a, we live in a culture, we can, we can call it out. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, John 14, right before he says this. Jesus is reiterating. He's just saying it a different way. The unregenerate person has no hope for spiritual life. Even though we, we live in a world where it seems cool to say there's many ways that lead to God. No, Jesus Christ is very clear. Without me, you can do nothing. Not only is this the total inability of the unregenerate sinner to even think of finding spiritual significance apart from Christ, but what about the believer? Those who have come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith. This reaches deep into our lives. Those of us who have come to Jesus by faith, we also have the total inability to grow a single ounce in our spiritual lives apart from Jesus Christ. 
just as we noted last week, nothing of lasting eternal value. No true worship. No pure adoration. No justification, regeneration, redemption. Uh, A lot of Christianese words, but we can apply those all to this. No sanctification, growth, dedication, or consecration. No glorification. Nothing of spiritual significance can ever happen apart from Jesus Christ. And Jesus, prior to going to the cross, reminds his disciples very clearly of this. Fix your eyes on me. Connect your life vitally to me because you can do nothing apart from me. In this little point to be made, Jesus provides the only possible way to share necessary truth. We talked of this last, last week. Why necessary? Why, why necessary fruit? This passage doesn't hide the reason why it's necessary. As we've seen already, because fruit is a proof that life exists. Without fruit, there is no proof that a vital connection exists. Without fruit, the unregenerate sinner will be cut off, withered, and burned. We can't get through this passage without recognizing that spiritual fruit is very, 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 very serious to God. It's necessary. You may be sitting there thinking, wow, yeah, Pastor Andrew, uh, how in the world do I do that? This, this guy up there talking right now, he has no clue the life I live. He's up there thinking, he's all smug up there talking about abiding in Christ. He doesn't know what I went through this week. Maybe you're thinking that right now. In some sense, it's true. I don't know exactly what you went through this week, but I do know who does know what you went through this week. And I want to share with you in this very same passage that the Christian life is not not hard. We talked about this as a teen group the other day. The Christian life is not hard. It's impossible on your own. You can't do it. I mean, so you're like, oh, that's great. I want to bear fruit. I want to stay connected to the vine. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you can't do it on your own. That's why we need to run to John chapter 15, verse 26. Would you just jump down to John 15, 26? This fits right in the New Covenant uh, discussion of Jesus and the Lord's Supper. Here's what Jesus Christ himself says. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness of Me. Then He goes into the next chapter. John chapter 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we cannot do it on our own, but that is the beauty of the new covenant. Jesus Christ promises this in the upper room, that the Spirit of God will be the one that guides you through all of this. Why do you think that in Galatians chapter 5, Paul calls this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We cannot bear these fruit on our own. But prior to going to the cross, Jesus promises them something. The Spirit's going to indwell you. The permanently indwelling Holy Spirit will guide you as you obey and stay connected to the vine. What is this? Every true believer, follower of Jesus Christ, is eternally indwelt. Paul calls it this, sealed. You're sealed in Ephesians 1. We are sealed by the Spirit of God who is to some degree 
compelling obedience in every believer. I want us to go to the last one because we could, we could spend weeks on that last point. But as the true vine, let's, let's mention one other among many snapshots of Jesus in this passage. So this week, as your faith is being tested, remember the first point. The first point is this. The only possible way to bear necessary fruit is to look to Jesus, to be connected to Jesus. Okay, let's go to another point, and this is beautiful as it fits in the whole testimony of the scriptures. Here it is. Jesus provides the joyful privilege of putting the vine dresser's glory on display. God's glory is not absent from this passage. I love this. Verse 6, or verse 8, sorry. By this is, by this my Father is what? Glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What is the purpose of this entire metaphor, brothers and sisters in Christ? Which inevitably, clearly in the scriptures, is the purpose for our whole existence on this earth. What is it? To bring glory to God. Our existence is to put His majesty and beauty on display. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To glorify God and enjoy Him. Well, that's right here in this passage. By this, shall men, or by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. When we bear fruit, guess whose glory we're putting on display? Guess whose splendor we're putting on display? Not our own. It's the vine dresser. He's the one that perfectly carved out this entire vineyard. Not a single one of us had this in our minds of here's how the vineyard should look. No, that's all to God's glory. The vine dresser's glory. We put on, I put on there, Jesus provides the joyful privilege. Okay, so sometimes we go to this and we just kind of turn into like this strano Christian where everything is just a grind. Ah, we'll make it through. We'll get through the pruning. I don't see that in verse 11. I know it's tough. I know pruning gets real rough. And I don't want to be disingenuous to what you're going through right now. But what does Jesus say about this whole process in verse 11? These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Full. This joy is is to happen even through pruning. Why? Because somehow through this pruning, God will be glorified. God is doing His work in my life. As ugly as it might be right now, as ugly as 2020 is, couldn't get much worse. (laughs) All right? All of this sickness going around, it's been happening since March, before that even. All of the sicknesses, all the hospitalizations, all of the social turmoil. Finding out that, uh, I found out last Sunday after um, the service that one of my friends up in the mountains in Colorado died last month unexpectedly. And I'm pretty sure it's the same situations before where he took his own life. He attempted to do it before. And what's this say? This turmoil. This agony that's going in our hearts. The stretching. The political nonsense happening. 
I mean, when we're being uh, really manipulated to do what hierarchies want us to do, when it's like, I mean, I could get going on this. I better not. But when it all, all seems like there's no way that God's in control through all this, guess what? God is in control of everything. The vine dresser is making this happen according to his great plan. And the pruning hurts. And while the pruning hurts, though, we run to verse 11 and say, we, we encourage ourselves with the fact that Jesus says, my joy might remain in you and your joy will be full as you glorify God. So what? Well, last week we asked this question. I just want to ask it one more time. Because really, you cannot ignore this, these questions in this passage. What kind of a branch are you? Think about this. Before we close out this service, and maybe some of you have been wrestling through this all week, what kind of a branch are you? Here's the two options in this passage. A fruitless branch enamored by Jesus, but without a vital connection to Jesus. Or, a fruitful branch who by faith is abiding in Christ with a vital, thriving, growing connection. And I would just say this, if you've never come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith, let this be that day. Come to Jesus. Don't delay. There's some young ones here today, as we say often through this study, you are honestly trying to figure out if Jesus is worth it. Is Jesus worth giving your life to? Come to Jesus today. There's some teens in here wondering that same question. Is Jesus worth it? With all the world around me, all that it's saying, and we are here as a body of Christ through the Scriptures to assure you, young one, to assure you, young adult and midlife adult and older adult, that as clearly described and dis- explained in the Scriptures, Jesus is worth it. He brings purpose to your entire existence on this earth. There is not, there's no other way to process life adequately and the struggles of this life and the pains of this life without running to this text and being vitally connected to the vine. Would you come to Jesus today? But in a very practical, so what question, I would ask this. Will you continue to be vitally connected in the vine? I'm talking about this week. I'm talking about when you walk out these doors. Will you abide in Christ this week, obediently connected to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Every moment of every day consumed with Jesus. Everywhere you go, consumed with Jesus. Everything you do, consumed with Jesus. Everyone you interact with, consumed with Jesus. Through every storm of your life, consumed with Jesus. Through the temptations of the wicked one, consumed with Jesus. Through the painful pruning, consumed with Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the true vine. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So God, I pray 
that this would continue to be the anthem of our hearts. I thank you so much for Jesus who clearly shows us this, walks his disciples through this. And even after the failure of his own disciples, the, the scattering, he gathers them together and teaches them to abide. I thank you so much, Father, for what you taught my life, are teaching me in this passage. God, you're teaching me these things, and I pray that you continue to teach all of us. I thank you for the attentiveness of the body of believers here today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, it's no accident that you're here today. God wanted you here today. I have a question for you. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you, by faith, been vitally connected to the vine? If not, would today be the day? A day where you establish your relationship with God by faith through Christ? A faith that will grow tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day because you're vitally connected to the vine. If you've never come to Jesus Christ by faith, would today be that day? I know we're going to exit the auditorium fairly quickly at the end here. But if this is heavy on your heart, would you come talk to me? Talk to one of our chaplains who will be at the front ready to pray. settling this if this is heavy on your mind you need to do some soul searching go home study God's word but put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to those who have come to Jesus Christ by faith would you pray with me right now this prayer God help me to abide in you all week long every decision I make this week let it be consumed Jesus. Let me be vitally connected to the vine that I might bear fruit. God, we thank you for today, the last hour and 20 minutes that we've been able to sing and pray and study. This has been so thrilling to my heart today. And I pray, God, that through this week, you would remind us to fix our eyes and ground our life in the true vine. Thank you so much for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us be consumed with him this week, we pray. In Jesus' name.